You have a stone in your seat. Do you ever hear the saying, a stone's throw away? Maybe you've even said that, right? A stone's throw away. That's a distance, right? It's a saying that we use to measure distance, the distance that we don't totally know, but we use it nonetheless. Oh, it's a stone's throw away, over yonder, just around the corner, down the hill, or just over that direction, right? Yeah, it's over there. It's not here, but it's over there. And when we say a stone's throw away, we probably don't really care about the distance. If we knew it was 100 feet, we would say it was 100 feet, right? But we don't really know, and we don't super care. It's over there. I don't really love those kinds of measurements because I feel like they leave things in vague areas. And in this whole thing, what is a stone's throw away? You've got a stone, I've got a stone. Is it your throw or is it my throw that matters here, right? Yeah, when I throw a stone, something in me naturally doesn't throw like a football or a baseball like this because I think it's from like skipping stones. I want to throw like this, right? But that raises a whole other question. In a stone's throw, are we, ta- are we counting skips? Are we counting like bounces? What are, like, what is this? These kinds of measurements have messed up a whole lot of cooking. Am I right? Yeah, where they're just like the ingredients are like add a pinch or a spoonful or whatever. Yeah, and we think like we say bam and all of a sudden it like forgives the thing that you don't know what's actually happening in this moment. Bam is not enough, right? I need to know the full details. What is a stone's throw away? Truthfully, we don't really know and we don't super care because we recognize it's not here and that's what it is. A stone's throw away is a distance It's not here with us. It's a distance that separates. So as we begin a message this morning, where we are focusing in this series on lost people, people who are distant from us, but more importantly, people who are distant from God. With that in mind, may we ask ourselves as we begin, may you ask yourself as we begin, who are we, who am I, who am I keeping at a stone's throw away. In my life, who am I keeping at a stone's throw away? Father in heaven, we open our hearts to you this morning. We ask that you would just bless us with clarity on our lives, on what we hold in our hands, what we dwell on, and what that's doing to the people in our lives. God, I ask that you would convict us with hearts for the lost I desire more than anything else to share your good news to the world around us. Bless us in this conversation. May your presence be here. May your love be felt. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We read a passage this morning, John chapter 8. We're looking at John chapter 8, verses 1 to 12. Some of you may have turned there in your Bible, and so we need to address something right away. If you turn there in your Bible, there's a good chance that that passage, John chapter 8, verses 1 to 12, a good section of it is kind of like indented or italicized or has some kind of header over top of it that says like this passage was not in the original manuscripts of John, and so that's something I felt like we should address quickly as we begin. It's true. This passage wasn't in the original manuscripts of John. Now, we're pretty sure it's accurate to Jesus and life and happening, but they weren't sure exactly where to put it in the Bible. And so some of the best people who knew things about this kind of time, the authorities in this, right, they put it here in this place. Other authorities have actually placed it in other gospel books, but it seemed to set right here very well. Now, that's not our biggest concern in, in understanding this. Our big concern with this is, with any passage of scripture, 
is making sure that what we glean, what we find in that scripture in terms of its truth, really matches and seems to fit well with the rest of scripture. When it comes to a passage of scripture and wanting to use it and its truth, we want to make sure that that matches up with the rest of the Bible. Otherwise, we should ask ourselves, like, are we twisting this? Like, what are we really finding here, right? And what's great about this passage is, in this passage, we find Jesus as we know him to be, and that is what matters. Now, what is actually taking place here in John chapter 8, verses 1 to 12? This moment is a trap. This moment is a trap. Now, anytime I hear the word trap, and this is unfortunately because of how I was raised, and I was raised to watch Star Wars movies, specifically the earliest three, which were the best three, and I watched them over and over and over again as a kid with a weekender bag of Middlesworth potato chips. That's something that happened regularly, and it is a wonderful experience, which should still be experienced today. But having that experience, like there's this moment in the early movies where there's this guy named Admiral Akbar. He kind of looks like a fish. I think they were going for fish. I don't know. When you look at him to touch him, he looks gooey, right? Like, he, like if you touched him, you're like, ah, what is it? You know, like, that's what I see when I see him. He's got eyeballs on the sides of his heads, right? And he has this really quick moment where he turns to the camera in dramatic fashion and he yells, it's a trap. It's a trap. Now, I can do that to you, but you need to see it on the screen, right? Yeah, it's two seconds. Can we show it on the screen real quick? It's a trap. It's a trap, right? Yeah. It's a trap, right? Did he not look like a fish? Like, gooey, right? You're like, I don't want to touch that. Like, yeah, all right. There's... Anyways, right? So it's a trap. In this passage of scripture, when we get to this moment, it makes me think of that because this is a trap. In fact, I almost wonder if Jesus' disciples, there wasn't like one of them in the background in this moment who like yelled out to Jesus in the background, it's a trap, right? Yeah, like you can imagine this happening because this is a trap. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they're looking to trap Jesus. And so they bring a case to Jesus that doesn't have an obvious answer. Well, it does, but the obvious answers are going to lead him to be, to be attacked, right? They're going to weaken his stance, and they know this. They bring this woman who's caught in adultery. And for us to understand, this isn't about proving guilt in this moment. They have the proof. The Old Testament scriptures are very clear about how to prove this, that they need two eyewitnesses. There needs to be certain evidence and all of that. They have that all gathered and together. So it's not about proving that she's done this. What it's about is them coming to Jesus and say, so scripture says that we're supposed to stone her, which means throw stones at her until she dies. Jesus, what should we do? Now they know Jesus is loving, right? They know there's no way Jesus is throwing a stone at her. But they know he, he can't disagree with that, right? Because the easy answer is for Jesus to say, no, let her go, do something else, right? And if they do that, if he says that, Jesus disagrees with Scripture, right? And they can begin to tear him down from there, discredit him, just tear it apart. They can begin their attack from there. So the other side is that Jesus agrees with Scripture, right? And he says, stone her. Now, first and foremost, we know that kind of goes against Jesus' nature, right? His desire to love and to care and to offer forgiveness. This is his message. This is his truth. This is who Jesus is. But the further thing is if he does that, if he does that, he not only disagrees kind of with himself, but we know at this time by Roman law, the Jewish religious leaders didn't have that power in fact, you think about it, when they wanted to take Jesus down, right, they had to go to Roman law to make that happen. They needed that. And so if Jesus says stoner, not only does he go against himself, but there's a good chance he's going to be removed and arrested at this time. Either way, that is wonderful 
for these leaders and Pharisees, right? They've got what they want. It's a trap, right? This is, this is a trap, and the trap is set. I wonder in this moment, do you think the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, showed up in this moment with stones? Do you think they carried stones with them? I don't know how accessible stones were. I kind of like these because they look tan and brown. It makes me think this is what they would have, but I don't actually, I have no idea what kind of stones they would have. It doesn't really matter. Do you think they showed up with stones? At the start of service, you were given a stone. I encourage you to take that and hold it in your hand if you want to, if you can. Take that and grip that just a little bit. We, got, we tried to get somewhat smoother stones. They're beat up a little bit. That's the way stones are, right? No stone is the same, but there is something about it. I had a conversation with someone before service. When you feel the heft of this in your hand, it feels right to throw, doesn't it? Like you know that you could do some damage with this. You could do some damage with this. I realize that I like gave you a weapon this morning depending on how the sermon is going, right? Like you, could, you can offer your opinion really easily in that you could throw this and you feel it. Hopefully you're not thinking about throwing it at a person. I encourage you, don't even think about throwing it at anything in here, right? Jeff, our buildings and grounds coordinator, he helped me acquire these and I want his assistance in the future. So I want him to continue to appreciate me. So please don't destroy anything if you can. Are you holding a stone right now? I mean, you're holding this stone probably, but in life, are you holding a stone? The teachers and the Pharisees, they came with stones. I don't know if they had physical stones, but they carried stones with them. They had points that they needed to prove. Things that they thought were important, that they thought needed to be thrown out there, right? They have this surface stone of handling adultery. And there's this idea, it's not just handling adultery, but it's Jesus and it's his forgiving nature. It's his loving nature. If it's him prioritizing that over what they think is justice and right and all of those things, right? So that's the surface stone. But they had actually other stones. They were the real stones that they carried and wanted to throw. They were the stones about their power, their authority, their greed, all of these things that Jesus threatened in them, right? And so they carried stones to throw. The saddest part is that, in that is that they, carrying those stones, those stones kept them from fulfilling their true responsibility in this moment. They're the leaders. They're the power. They're the ones with the resources that can change lives. And they have this woman who is in need, and they are the ones with the power to make a difference. But when your hands are full of stones and your heart as well, we can't help people, can we? In fact, when our hearts and our hands are full of stones, most of the time we don't even see people anymore. This woman was probably snared in a trap just like Jesus was. Being caught in adultery at this time required two eyewitnesses as well as other evidence. And when you start to add that up, caught in adultery, all this evidence, two eyewitnesses, that seems a little bit hard to, to believe this wasn't a planned event, right? This was planned, but caring for this woman was never the plan. Carrying stones will do that to us, right? We lose sight of people. We carry stones for many reasons. You better believe that I have carried some stones in my life. 
We carry stones for all kinds of reasons, specifically in relationships. We've been wronged. We've been hurt. And in relationship, we carry a stone, right? Because we feel we have the right to carry this. We have the right to throw it. Some of us in these relationships that we've been wrong, that we've been hurt in, we do, we, we attack this differently. Some of us just want to carry the stone, right? We just, it's, I don't want to throw this, but I want to carry it and I want to make sure that person knows again and again, they see the stone, they see the hurt and I'll drag them through the mud again and again because of that stone, because of what they did to us, right? Others of us with that hurt, no, no, I don't care about carrying it. I'm going to throw that stone, Right? Like, I'm going to throw that stone. I'm going to make sure someone feels what I felt. I've carried stones with me. I've carried multiple stones with me when I look around the world. And I see something that is wrong to me, right? I look around the world and I see things that aren't right in the world. And so I I carry these stones. I'm sure you do the same. I carry these stones with the hope that I get that moment to prove my point to throw the stone, to take something down, to to get my message across. I carry these stones with me. At times, our stones are held just because we're simply unhappy and unsettled in life, right? And it's a whole lot easier to throw stones. In fact, it's a whole lot more fun to throw a stone than to work on fixing ourselves and our hearts. It's much easier and much more fun to just throw a stone. For most of us, we hold these stones because we feel threatened in some way, shape, or form too, right? Like the Pharisees and teachers, our power, our authority, our freedom, our stuff, our lifestyle is threatened. There's probably nothing else in this world that casts more stones in this world than fear does. Fear brings so much hurt. And we know this, when our hands are gripped around stones, They can't be used for love and kindness. When our hearts are ruled by judgment, compassion will have no place. When our eyes are bothered by what we see from others, it is hard for them to be burdened for others. For these leaders, this woman was a bother. She was a bother that they chose to use against a bigger bother. Neither with Jesus or with this woman who was their responsibility were they burdened. With the people in our world and in our life, are we bothered, agitated, irritated, perturbed, and inconvenienced? Or are we burdened, laden, compassionate, empathetic, sympathetic? It makes me wonder if if my struggles in relationship and at times if my inability to share the good news of Jesus Christ that I know and I feel should be infectious and I feel should be communicated, but I have frustrations as to why it doesn't result in other people seeing that and knowing it. I have to wonder if my relationship issues and the the issues that I have in sharing Jesus Christ have anything to do with what I find in my hands and in my heart. What's in my hands? What's in my heart? I know this has impacted me in the past. I have found my hands full and my heart empty. How do we handle this situation? Do we throw the stone or not? Do we throw the stone or not? You're gripping that stone. 
maybe. Maybe you're holding it. Is your hand getting sweaty a little bit? You may have to choose where you sit combines with air conditioning a little bit better next week if that's the issue, right, a little bit. But, but there's something about holding a stone. It does get sweaty, right, physically and mentally, right? It gets sweaty, right? Is your hand getting a little dirty? We did like we had a lot of these, and so they were hosed down and washed, but we know that there's still some dirt there, right? Yeah, your hand's got a little bit of dirt. If you've got black pants on, this is not a great idea. Just putting that out there. You do with that as you will, but it's not a great idea, right? But yeah, it's... It's got a little dirty, but holding stones, we're not worried about dirt and mess, are we? I mean, when you're gripping a stone, you're not worried about that so much, are you? I don't think we are. Maybe you're sitting next to a family member, and right now you've just peeked over and saw how they were gripping their stone, and you're like, well, they're gripping that a little tight. And you're like thinking to yourself just for a moment, like, that seems real. Is that for me, right? Like, wait a minute here. Like, let's just, just you want to put that to the side just for a second? Yeah, maybe you're realizing that. We're not taking this home with us, right? Yeah, yeah, that thought might have crossed your mind. What do we do in this situation? Thankfully, we don't have to figure it out. Jesus did. Now, one thing just to get to the side, Jesus first starts scribbling in the dirt, People have researched for years what he was scribbling. If you want an answer on that, I've got nothing for you. The research I found was very inconclusive. And anybody who thought they had a great idea, I just thought, now nah, you're crazy, right? Because we don't know what he scribbled in the dirt, and we won't. That's where you take a note card, you write a question for Jesus, and you put it away for heaven, okay? Do that right now with that. We're not going to address that anymore. What he scribbled in the dirt? No idea. It's probably something cool, all right? I would love it if it was a smiley face. I don't know, like, right? It was just like we spent years wondering about it, and it was just like, do, do, do. It was like a stick figure. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. It's gone. What we do know is Jesus scribbled in the dirt and then he stood up and what he said was amazing. He said, let the one without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Here's the thing with that passage. Throughout history, that line has kind of been misused. And I think it's because of what we know about Jesus. We just misuse it. Because we know that Jesus is perfect, right? He's the one with no sin when it comes to all of life. And so we automatically compare it to that. Jesus was just basically saying, if anyone should throw a stone, I should throw a stone. And I'm not choosing to throw a stone, right? That's where our brain goes because that just makes sense. But the true understanding, the wordage and how it was used, a better understanding of, of translation of this passage is not that Jesus was like talking about all of life morality, like each individual. And if they've ever done something wrong in their whole life, right? He, he wasn't making that big, broad statement. It wasn't about all of their life. It was about this moment and being good, right, moral, and true in this moment. Jesus knew this was a trap. He knew the leader's hearts were dark. What was he really saying? He was saying this. If your heart is in the right place in this situation, if it's in the right place, if you've come here with your heart in the right place in this situation, if you are honestly attuned to what is right and true and good, and that has brought you to throwing a stone, then throw it. But he knew they were using her. How did this situation come about? Did they know about this? I mean, remember, it's a trap, right? Did they know this woman was going to do this? Even before she did, did they set it up and they still let it happen? That's actually written about, it's a sin in scripture as well. If they saw something happening and said, well, I'll just step to the side for a minute. That's a sin. Did they actually set the wheels in motion for it to take place? That's a big sin as well. And there are so many other questions involved, right? Where's the man involved in this situation? 
Our understanding of how law works is he was to be stoned too, yet she was brought here to be embarrassed, and he's nowhere to be seen. There are so many things about this that don't add up. None of it is right. But this wasn't a moment about life and love, truth and compassion. This was a moment about throwing a stone. About throwing a stone. Something I think we shouldn't lose sight of is that these weren't criminals that were laying this trap for Jesus, right? These were the religious leaders, those supposed to be closest to God, those in the moral high ground. For us as Christians, this is often us, right? And let us further not forget the most important thing, who Jesus is. We were going to read verse 12 this morning as a part of this passage. We stopped early. It's okay. I'm going to read it to you now. Verse 12 says this. It says then, right after this moment, Jesus says, it says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Why is that important? Jesus is the light of the world. That's who we're talking about here. Jesus, light of the world. He is more interested in saving than exploiting. He desires to forgive, not condemn. He always sought to love, not to win. Jesus didn't change the world by law and legislation. Jesus changed the world with his love, and our mission is to do the same. Jesus didn't condemn this woman. I know a part of us says, all right, Jesus, I get it. Like, I don't know. Hopefully no one here says stone her, right? None of us say stone this woman. But, but I imagine there's a, most of us who said, but she still deserves some kind of punishment, right? Like some kind of punishment or penance or like community service or something. Like something there is deserved, right, Jesus? But Jesus wasn't interested in what was deserved. Can we be thankful that God has never been interested in what we deserve he was not interested in what was deserved. Jesus had no stone to carry. He cared about this woman, about her heart, about her life, and about her future. So he offered the greatest life-changing gift that can be offered that was offered to us. He offered forgiveness. Forgiveness changes everything. And her life was forever changed. And he simply said to her, go and live that change. Go and live that change. When our hands are full of stones, we can't see people, let alone help them. I think there are bigger consequences for us than this. If we're honest with ourselves, I think we'll find that the person that we are most ready to stone right now in life, the person that we've been holding on to that stone for, is the person in this world that each and every one of us can bring life change to more than anyone else. That person who you have that stone for, you can change their life if you're willing to put it down. May we ask ourselves again, who in our lives are we keeping at a stone's throw away? Who are we keeping at a stone's throw away? Further, I think we recognize that for many of us, I know I've been here, so this is me. I've spent so much time collecting and holding stones. Every time I practice this moment, I've dropped a stone, by the way. In the service that I recorded for the other venues, I like dropped it and just like acted like it was a part of the thing. It wasn't. Yeah, you know, you just roll with the punches, right? Yeah. 
But that's the thing, like, it's, it's hard to balance so many stones because we do that, don't we? We collect all these stones. And I think for a lot of us, I know I've been there, I spend time collecting stones. I look around the world and, and I see things that, are, that aren't what they should be. And I, I recognize this, though, that when my hands are full of stones, the light of Jesus Christ will not be shared from who I am. We can't fully love the world, those close to us, those in our family and friendship circles, those in our churches and our community, those who need us, those who watch us, anyone. We can't love them if we're focused on throwing a stone and the world will always be kept at a stone's throw distance away. We'll wonder why we don't make a difference. We'll wonder why nothing changes. We'll be frustrated when our efforts fall short. I think at times, and and this isn't always the truth, so don't feel like I'm pointing fingers, but I think for some of us at times, we'll pray a prayer for a certain person to change again and again and again, and we'll ask ourselves, God, why aren't you changing the person? And he'll say, well, I've put them right there in your life if you're just willing to put down the stone. Who are we keeping at a stone's throw away? I believe we see this in the church, and I don't mean Bethany Wesleyan Church, I mean the Christian church of the world, right? We see a world right now that needs us, a world right now that is looking at us, but they see us right now with stones to throw. This isn't our job, and this isn't how we change the world. Change won't come from a stone throw. It will come from a stone put down. Forgiveness given and a life that lives change. That is how we as Wesleyans change the world. It's who we are. We are a holiness church. We live out the change of Jesus Christ in us, and it changes those around us. That is what makes us special. We believe that God can change everyone, and it starts with forgiveness. It starts with forgiveness. As we close, I encourage you to think about this. A stone's throw away. I researched where that saying came from. Some people wanted to say they first saw it in Scripture or not in Scripture in like writings and stuff in the 15 and 1600s. But the truth is it was found way before then because it's actually in Scripture. In Luke chapter 22, verses 41, Scripture literally says that Jesus went a stone's throw away from some of his disciples to pray. It was there in Scripture. They knew that saying, a stone's throw away. Why? Because they lived it. They stoned people. They did that, and they had to know what a stone's throw away was so they didn't accidentally get stoned themselves, right? If you're going to circle around a person, you better know that distance or you get caught in the crossfire, right? They knew what it meant. They knew how to go after people. I want you to know that I've spent too much of my life on stones and carrying around stones. And I've unfortunately held too many people at a stone's throw away. So many, so many stones, so much distance. It's a part of all our lives. Don't feel convicted or that you're like out there like there's something wrong with you in that. Feel, maybe feel convicted, but don't feel like there's something wrong with you in that, right? We learn this from an early age. When I was a child, I was a pastor's kid, and the time came up, my dad was a pastor in a Wesleyan church, and the time came up for the church to vote for my dad if he should stay around and be the pastor, right? 
I remember that vote coming forward, and it was that moment, and it was more than just a vote for that, though, because you think about as a child, it's your dad, it's his job, it's, it's, it's the house, the parsonage we lived in, it's our support, it's all of those things, but this time specifically was different because my mom was in a severe struggle with cancer. And so this was all about health insurance and this security that we needed that I felt as a child, as I looked at my mother and knew we needed this. And I felt the pressure at home. I, even as a kid, I, I felt the pressure to behave in church because I didn't want my dad to get no votes because my mom needed insurance. And I felt that. And I can remember one, two, three, four, five, six. I can remember those six no votes. You think it's Anonymous, right? I could tell you who most of those votes were. I could tell you who they were. And at a young age, you learn to hold on to these stones, don't you? Those hurts are real and they're there and you hold on to them. I can remember in my first pastor's position, we had some neighbors across the street who went to the church. It was a country church. We were in a country area, and, and my wife Julie and I were newly married, and the couple across the street from us, they thought that like, they should be the ones to tell us how to live and how to do life. And, and honestly, like, we were both from pastor's families. We had a lot of things figured out. We didn't need that direction, but they thought there were certain things that we needed to know on how to like, live a country life and be that. Like, like, and the truth is, when we didn't go looking for that, and we weren't rude. I don't, I'm not rude often, I don't think. Like, when we weren't rude, but, but we weren't, didn't want that, there was something that they held against us. And one night, our neighbor came over, and he attacked us. He tore us down. He ripped apart who I was as a pastor. He let me know very clearly that I was going to struggle in my future with who I was and what I was going to do when I was going to fail the next church. That was one stone, but it was a big one. Have you ever had that big stone? There's something about that stone. It's one thing if you tear me down. It's another thing if you leave the house and my wife is in tears, that hits you. The comments I swallowed in that moment, I wanted to say all kinds of things about how they'll never have a pastor like me ever again. Even today, I find myself with that stone in my hand, and at times I don't know if it's the stone or if it's me or if there's any difference between the two, but I'll look back at that church and I'll see that they still haven't had a pastor like me. And if I can tell you what my innermost feelings are sometimes, if I'm not careful, if I'm not watching, it feels good. That stone sneaks back in my hand. This is not who I want to be. That's not how I want to live. That's not how I want to think. This is not how I want to be. I want that stone out of my life. The stones come back, they do. Almost every day is a challenge with one stone or another. I can be honest with you that right now I battle picking up stones as I look around our world and I think this is my thing to make a difference. This is the stone I'm going to throw. This is the comment I'm going to make. This is the person that I'm going to tell them how to live. And I find myself with these stones in my hands. I use the line that we use as Christians, right? I use that line that sometimes love is truth, like a hard truth, right? And that's, that is truth. Sometimes love is a hard truth, but most of the time when we have to say that, it's because we're more interested in throwing a stone, being a jerk, than actually changing someone else's life. Than actually changing someone else's life. 
I don't want to hold people at a stone's throw distance away in my life anymore. I don't want to be controlled by a stone to cast any longer. I don't want anything to stop the light of the world from being seen in me. And I, I don't want anything to overtake my part in reaching the lost with the good news of Jesus Christ that has changed everything about who I am. These stones will stop me from being the pastor, the husband, the dad, the friend, the man that I can be. With everything that I am, I want nothing to do with these stones in my life anymore. I'm done holding stones. Who do you think in your life right now that you're holding at a stone's throw away? Who is it that if you set down that stone and offered forgiveness, you could change everything about a person? Who is it that's watching you right now and they should see the light of Jesus Christ, but instead they see hands filled with stones and a heart without love? You were given a stone this morning. Do whatever you need to do with that. It's yours. If it's best with you to just leave it here, if that's what means something to you or just doesn't mean anything, that's okay. Leave it there. We'll figure it out. If you need to put it somewhere, leave it around the church, wherever, drop it on your way to your car because that's what you need to do to let it go. Do it. Any stones we find, we'll figure out what to do with them. We got flower beds, right? We'll, we'll, get, it, we'll get it put away somewhere. Do it. If there's a big stone that you're having a hard time letting go and you need to come forward and pray and leave that stone here, take your moment and do it. Leave it here at the altar. Give it to God and let it be his. Maybe you need to take that stone with you because you realize if you don't keep that reminder, you'll keep finding those stones in your hands. Take it. If you went to my office right now and you saw my desk, you would find a stone there. When we moved here over a year ago, I almost threw it away because you just collect stuff, right? And you collect stuff from your kids and there's so many things and, and I almost got rid of it, but something said, you need to keep that reminder. It's a stone. And my daughter Stella, when she was little, drew a picture of her and drew a picture of me. And on the back, she wrote Stella and dad. And that stone reminds me why I don't carry stones anymore and why I need to work every day put the ones that are in my hands down. Do whatever you need to do with that stone. But I encourage you, drop the stones that you're holding on to. Father in heaven, God above, we give this to you. God, I thank you for moving in our hearts and lives, being our savior. I thank you for Jesus who was forgiveness over and over again. I thank you that somehow in wisdom he saw through a trap that seemed to have no way clear, but he saw through it. Thank you for that, God. God, as we close in this song of worship, we ask that you would allow our hearts to know what is right for us in this moment. Give us clarity into what we're holding on to. And no matter what we do with this illustration, God, may the impact of it be real. May we let go of these stones that we hold. May your light, may the light of the world, Jesus Christ, shine in us. Be with us now, God. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.